Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Everybody and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host Ryan Fowler and welcome in to the Week Five preview of the 0-4 NFC North's Justin Fields-led head coach Matt Eberflus-led Chicago Bears, a winless Chicago Bears team that blew a massive lead, 20-point plus lead, to the Denver Broncos, our old friend, the Denver Broncos from, of course, Week Two this year. They're own four, and they're struggling, not just on offense, on defense, special teams, tensions are high in Chicago. Not pretty. You're winless as a football team with expectations to be better this year, and they haven't won a football game. Is Justin Fields the answer under center? What's going to happen defensively? Is Matt Eberflus the guy to coach this team? There's a lot of questions about the Chicago Bears roster that they are trying to figure out on the fly. But for us, and for Washington's perspective, they head in on a positive note as much as you can be after losing two straight to the Buffalo Bills and, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles. It feels like the Eagles game was 24 hours ago. I feel like I was just talking to you guys on Monday's recap. Here we are on Wednesday. We just got good news that both Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel are going to be active on Thursday night when the Commanders host the Bears at FedEx Field. A sold-out FedEx Field. I expect you guys to have that place jumping and rocking for Washington's first primetime game of the year. And to get to 3-2, and two, which is going to be uber important with, of course, the Falcons and the Giants to come down the line. But with this Bears coming in, this roster coming in at 0-4, this is an offense that has some juice to it, led by a really dynamic, electric athlete that is Justin Fields. And they've tried to make some additions. We're going to get in to their entire offensive structure, who they like to target, what they like to do in certain situations, specifically in the ground game, and how they involve tight end Cole Komet, former Notre Dame standout, really had a big game last week. They put 28 points up. On the Broncos. Now, Washington put up 35 against that same Broncos unit on the road, not at home. And I expect Washington to score points this week. But offensively for Chicago, with Washington's defense, that has allowed a lot of points. <laughs> a lot of points, ladies and gentlemen. We don't need to go and add it up, but over 70 points these last two weeks, over 100 the last three weeks. They have to be better. Through the first four weeks, Washington has faced mobile quarterbacks each and every week. There is no longer a lot of these static pocket passers in football. When you look around the league, there's maybe two or three that you can say that just like to make their money inside the pocket. I think off the top of my head, I think you look at Kirk Cousins. I think you look at Mac Jones. You look at, depends on what you think about Jimmy Garoppolo or his replacement right now in rookie Aiden O'Connell. With the Las Vegas Raiders, you could say Matt Stafford a little bit, but he likes to create outside of structure more than people give him credit for. 
But Justin Fields is not Mac Jones or Kirk Cousins where he's going to stand in the pocket and just get hit all day long and not try to make something happen with his legs. This is a quarterback that's rushed for over a thousand yards in the NFL in a season in his career. And it's really nice to see that the commanders still rank in the upper half of the NFL in total sacks. But this is another week, guys, where Washington is going to have to be extremely disciplined in their rush lanes. Because Josh Allen, he escapes outside the pocket to throw. Jalen Hurts, he'll tuck if it's extremely clear in front of him, but he's looking to throw outside the pocket. Justin Fields escapes pressure primarily to run. And not just to run and get you five or ten. He runs to take that thing to pay dirt and to get six. He's fast. He's strong. He can run through guys. He can run around you. He doesn't have the frame of a Josh Allen or or Jalen Hurts. But he's extremely quick, and he's got some wiggle to him in space. So this front four, and not just this front four, I talked about it in the post-game pod for you guys on Monday. Washington has got to send five, six, or seven at times against this Bears front. We're going to get into the group and the names to see and to know along this front five for the Bears. It's been absolutely abysmal, really, since Justin Fields has been a Chicago Bear, since they took him out of Ohio State a few years ago. But if they allow Chicago to come in and allow Fields to get comfortable, take shot plays downfield to guys like DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney, and run the ball with success both with Fields and Khalil Herbert, and Roshan Johnson, they're going to put some points up and put pressure on Washington late in this football game to either get back in the game or keep them away from trying to tie it up or win it like Washington did, uh, of course, tying it up late in, in Philadelphia on Sunday afternoon. The NFL, I say it all the time, is not easy to win. And when you have a roster like the Bears right now to where the morale is not high expectations have reached point blank to zero in the NFC North. The NFC North has not been good this year outside of really the Detroit Lions. The Vikings are winless. Excuse me, they won their first game against the Panthers last week. They got one win on the board. A struggling Carolina team that they barely beat last week. The Bears want to get on the board. They want to flat out get on the board. And what better way to do it on prime time coming off of nearly putting up 30 points against a commander's team that just played really well and got a little bit of national attention these last few days for how they played in Philadelphia despite the loss. So let's get into this Bears roster. A lot to get into specifically offensively because there's just there's really not a lot of good things to say. But again, we're going to extract this offense, extract this architecture, and prepare you guys for how Washington should prepare to counter Justin Fields. So Justin Fields under center, Really a, a dual threat as they come in football. He's got a big arm, but he will make mistakes. He will force throws into tight windows. He has a little bit of that arm arrogance that a lot of these younger quarterbacks come in the league with because they've always been the five-star recruits. They've always been the headliners at your Alabamas, your Georgias, your Ohio States, your USC's, your Oregon's. That's where they're coming from. All right, you look at the quarterbacks coming in the, these this last year, the big three, right? Bryce Young from Bama. Anthony Richardson from Florida, and C.J. Stroud, Ohio State, all major Power 5 programs. These guys have always been the guys. They rarely struggled 
in high school, college, and now in the NFL, losing football games is just not a part of their DNA. So you know they want to win. And for Justin Fields' perspective, looking at this Bears roster that, again, they haven't won a game. And right now, if the draft started today, Wednesday, October 4th, the Chicago Bears would have the top two picks in the 2024 NFL Draft. And I'm sure you guys have heard about this guy named Caleb Williams out at USC, reigning Heisman Trophy winner, and Drake May, quarterback at North Carolina, that most likely will be two of the three first picks next April. And they could very easily take Caleb Williams and take Marvin Harrison Jr., wide receiver from Ohio State, with their top two picks, if that turns out to be that way, come next April. Now, it's still early. We just finished the first quarter of the season. But Justin Fields is playing for his damn job. Is he the future or not in Chicago? Because they ha- they've tried to build a little bit. They drafted Roshan Johnson from Texas this year as a running back. They drafted right tackle Darnell Wright. I talked a lot about him in the pre-draft process, who has not been great to start the year. Hasn't been abysmal, but has not been great getting his feet wet at the NFL level. Darnell Mooney was really the guy on the outside for a long time. They traded for Chase Claypool. That's been a complete mess. Cole Komet's taken a ninth step at tight end. And they traded for DJ Moore from Carolina to come in and be that guy. And he has been that guy. But they've tried to give him weapons. But it doesn't matter what you have on the outside if your front five can't protect you at all, no matter how athletic he is. So that's the biggest thing with Washington's front four. Of course, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, John Allen, and the rotation of guys behind them. When you get a chance to get Justin Fields down this week, you have to get him to the ground. Because whether it's a second and two, or if you force them to a third and ten or longer, he can make plays with his legs. And if a guy's open downfield, he will rip that thing 25 plus yards down the field off platform. He'll do it. And he can. And he's proven to do so. So the front four, as it is every single week, is important. Isolated, right? One-on-one matchups. But sending pressure, sending simulated pressures up front, twists, stunts, sending a backer or a safety or a corner off the edge, got to do it this week. You cannot let Justin Fields come in and get confidence in the first two or three series for Chicago, get a field goal on the board, maybe they sneak it in for six, and they get some confidence and they say, hey, we're on the road right now. The crowd isn't loud. We're trying to get our first win. This defense really isn't as good as we thought it was going to be. I haven't been to the ground just yet. I'm able to sit back here for two and a half, three and a half seconds. It's hit Darnell here, and here's DJ Moore over the top, and Cole Komet 10 yards, 15 yards, 5 yards against Cody Barton and Jamin Davis and Derek Forrest, and Cam Curl going to be big this week against Cole Komet. We can't give this offense confidence early on in this football game. So let's move from there to the running backs. Khalil Herbert, if you guys are Virginia Tech Hokie fans, you guys remember Khalil. He was dominant down at Virginia Tech. Uh, the Bears took him back in 2021 on day three, a six-round pick, the 218th overall selection. He is their guy uh, in the backfield. He has 41 rushing attempts through four games, 196 yards, about five yards a pop. That hasn't gotten in the end zone just yet on the ground, but also has a fumble. They've tried to get Roshan Johnson, again, rookie out of Texas, a little bit more involved. They 
There were some hints within league circles last week that he was going to be more involved, but then they came into week four and he really wasn't. Just five attempts, 13 yards, so about two and a half yards a pop. Wasn't really involved. Um, They'll bring him in on certain situations on third downs just to provide an extra body and protection. He's a big boy that's really physical. Um, Watching him down at the Senior Bowl and pass protection drills one-on-one against linebackers was really impressive. Now, he's... He's a big dude, right? Six foot, over 225 pounds, built a lot like Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. Just a big physical dude that isn't afraid. Again, if they want to keep not just their five offensive linemen in, they want to keep an extra tight end and an extra running back in for that seven-man protection and allow Justin Fields to just read three weapons on the outside, they'll most likely keep Roshan in and pass pro. But he will get some carries, and especially if they want some bulk near the goal line. Don't be shocked if they're inside the 10-yard line, first and goal, second and goal, that Roshan gets a couple carries because he has that ability to really be that big physical downhill between the tackles back and has some sneaky juice um, outside the tackles as well as really that RB2 in that Texas offense last year with Bijan Robinson. So that is their running backs. Again, Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson, you can see a lot of this week. They don't do a lot of tricky stuff on offense. You'll see some end arounds at times. You'll even see maybe Cole Komet get a carry or two. He's got two carries already in four games. But the main focus for me in this running game as far as trying to escape the perimeter is Tyler Scott, rookie they drafted out of Cincinnati. He's played in all four games. He's got two carries, uh, about 10 yards a pop on each carry around, just on these little jet sweeps and, and reverses, just to keep the edges of this defense honest. Washington's really the second level has not been good on the edges the first four weeks. I mean, we'll go back to James Conner in week one or the Jaleel McLaughlin touchdown against Denver, or this past week where you look at the little swing pass to DeAndre Swift late in that ball game. It can't happen. Washington has to be better in defending the edges and really setting the edge in the run game. But Tyler Scott is a flat-out burner from Cincinnati. Uh, They took him on day three. He's a mid-4-4 runner. He can flat-out fly. Not the biggest guy in the world, about 5'10", 175, 80 pounds, soaking wet, but he can absolutely scoot. And he's built a lot like Darnell Mooney who you'll see this week as their starting receiver um, alongside DJ Moore. But he can run, guys. So giving him an opportunity on designated touches, you may see a little bit if Chicago wants to get some wrinkles involved with him uh, early on in the football game to keep, again, not just the front side, the strong side of the defense, honest, but every single level and every single eye, right? Not just focus on Justin Fields, but who's coming where, who's motioning, who could possibly be getting the ball on the edges of the perimeter because... You got some speed on the perimeter. You can usually take it the distance at the NFL level, and Tyler Scott uh, has that speed to do so. From there, let's get into this tight ends group, a group led solely, guys, by Cole Komet. Um, guy they took out of Notre Dame back in 2020, second round pick. He had a massive, massive day um, against this Broncos defense last week. Not just somebody that will line up and run a five-yard hitch um, that we see a lot from Washington's tight ends. Um, He is someone that has a big body, can rise over the top, but he's a fluid route runner, got really strong hands, can also set the edge uh, in the run game. So that linebacker wants to come down. Cam Curl wants to come down. He's a big boy, about 6'6", over 250 pounds. He's a big dude. He's the reason why, again, Chicago took him within the top 50 picks uh, back in the COVID year in 2020. Um, But looking at his game logs over these last few weeks, five targets in week one, excuse me, seven targets in week one, six in week two, 
just had two targets against Kansas City in that dynamic linebacking quarter that they have with Nick Bolton and Willie Gay. And then last week, nine targets, seven catches, 85 yards, and got his first uh, trip to the end zone. He had two touchdowns again last week against Denver. He's going to be a test this week over the middle of the field. Washington is going to have to be able to holster him. Washington hasn't been burned a ton early uh, by tight ends, really, if you look at any of the games so far. I mean, Dalton Kincaid was the most talented one that they faced so far this year. Wasn't involved for Buffalo. Last week, Dallas Goddard, Jack Stoll, none of those guys were really involved at all, right? He is extremely involved in this passing attack. They run some play action. He'll slip off blocks 10, 15 yards down the field, get his hands up. He'll run by guys. He's a good weapon. Um, He's not overwhelmingly dynamic or athletic. He's not a Kyle Pitts or a George Kittle or any of those guys, Um, even a Mark Andrews type. I would say his skill set is similar um, to Mark Andrews. I just like Mark more of a just really bulking, run-you-over type of tight end over the middle of the field. But Cole is longer, um, really has some good athleticism, especially north-south, so going vertical over guys and coming down and then making a couple guys miss. And then in the red zone, right? Washington isn't huge in their secondary room. The biggest guy they got really is Benjamin St. Just, and he's in the corners room. Do they ask him to come inside, reduce on those third and fours and fives when they need somebody over Cole Komet to use that length inside the contact window? Maybe. Maybe do they ask a guy like Percy Butler? I know the height-weight discrepancy is going to be big in that matchup, but Percy's length and his ability to rise over the top, he's a center field type of safety. Maybe they do that this week. Do we see some more of Khalid Hudson? We need more of him. We haven't seen him at all. Quan Martin had the thumb injury, but has been practicing all week long. Is he that another body inside the slot, reduced inside if they want to, well, they, they want to reduce him inside, they want to flex him out. Bodies like that you need against guys like Cole Komet that has been really good. He's aligned, again, he's aligned out wide, had three snaps in the perimeter last week. He's at 12 in line, so he's got usually his hand in the dirt next to Darnell Wright at right tackle or Larry Borum, who's going to align at left tackle. He's going to be a focal point. For Jack Del Rio. He should be a focal point, I hope. As Washington's prepared this week for this offense, he is a major focal point. They can keep him to, I mean, he's got at least four catches in three of the four games this year. He's had multiple catches in every single game. They can keep him to that three, four catch range under that 20 to 30 yards and keep him out of the end zone. It's going to be big to force Justin Fields to hit guys on the outside, which means staying longer in the pocket, Longer progressions, and which equals what? More time for Washington's front seven to get after Justin Fields. So that is their really their tight ends room. I'm, I'm not worried about Robert Tanyan. Brought him over from Green Bay. He'll line in line. He'll get a target or two maybe in certain situations. More so just as a check down little hot route over the middle of the field. Two yards, turn, and fall forward. Um, he's definitely not the tight end that he used to be as really Aaron Rodgers' number one target uh, the last few years at the tight end spot for Green Bay. But they brought him over just as kind of that, that veteran piece, right? That wide tight end that can block on the edges to try to create some lanes for not just Justin Fields on, on design quarterback sweeps and powers, but Khalil Herbert uh, and, of course, Roshan Johnson that I mentioned a minute ago. So let's move on to the perimeter headline by DJ Moore, uh, Equinemius St. Brown, Darnell Mooney. I talked about Tyler Scott they took in the fourth round. And Chase Claypool, who knows if Chase Claypool is really going to be at all in the future of this Bears roster, he has came in. They traded a first-round pick for him. Hasn't been good. Flat out has not been good uh, uh, in Chicago. It just hasn't worked. It just hasn't. It just flat out has not worked 
uh, for Chase Claypool in Chicago. I'm not worried about him making an impact um, on Thursday night. So let's get into these receivers. Uh, DJ and Cole uh, are both tied for targets. They both have 24 uh, in this offense. And then it's Khalil Herbert. So DJ Moore, Cole Komet, Khalil Herbert. That is their three. That is their trio. It is not all receivers, right? With Washington, you got Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel. For Chicago, it's a receiver, a tight end, and a running back. So he spreads it around a little bit at a variety of depths. Uh, Darnell Mooney, I've talked about, really fun player. They took him uh, years ago on day three out of Tulane. The production really since DJ Moore came into town this year has really fallen off. Um, Weeks two and three, one target combined, didn't catch a ball, um, but had four catches on four targets for 51 yards against Denver. Um, and that talented Broncos secondary. So if you give him an opportunity and give him some separation, he can hurt you. Multiple times his first few years in his career where he'd have 100-plus yard games, 120, 130-plus yard games where six, seven, eight receptions for a touchdown or two. He can do that. But the focus is on DJ Moore. You guys that are familiar with the area, you guys are Maryland Terps, you guys are alums, you watch Terrapin football, you remember DJ Moore back in the mid-2010s, 2015, 16, 17. It, just dynamic. Dynamic over the middle of the field. Not a burner. He's not a 4-3-4-4 runner, but a 4-5 runner as far as that verticality to threaten the defenses. But he's just an excellent guy after the catch and runs really good routes and separates immediately within that contact window. About 5'11", he's got some bulk to him. He's over 200 pounds. So he's a, his ability to bounce off wimpy tacklers. Guys coming downhill trying to arm tackle uh, DJ Moore, whether it's Emmanuel Forbes, Kendall Fuller, St. Juiced, Cam Curl, whoever it is. Arm tackles don't work against DJ Moore. He will run right through them. Been heavily featured, again, in this Bears offense. He's got six catches uh, in each, more six or more catches in each of the last Three weeks, six catches against Tampa Bay for 104 yards, then came back against Kansas City for 341 yards and a touchdown. And then, of course, last week caught eight of his 10 targets for 131 yards and a touchdown. Good for about 16 and a half yards a pop. We know how rough a week it was for Mr. Emmanuel Forbes on the outside against A.J. Brown. Allowed 197 yards as the primary man in coverage. D.J. Moore can do the same thing if given the opportunity to work over the top, isolated, one-on-one. Justin Fields has the arm to threaten defenses 20 to 30 yards down the football field. He can do that. So maybe this week we see more Kendall Fuller on opposing receiver's top option. We would have liked to see that more against A.J. Brown last week, which we didn't. Maybe we see some more safety help. We'll watch that safe, watch the depth of Cam Curl, Percy Butler, and I know Derek Forrest plays a lot in the box, but watch their depth on long down and distances early in that football game. If they get to a second and 12 or third and eight, third and nine, or even a first and 10, we'll see what they align on the outside. If they want to run that strict 11 personnel where Cole Komet is their one tight end and Khalil Herbert's their one running back with three receivers, we'll see what the depth is. Uh, for Washington safeties because of the threat of not just DJ Moore, but Darnell Mooney. Again, he can scoot. Tyler Scott can scoot a little bit. These They don't have a bad group of receivers. It's just the group that we're going to next. And that is the front five. Again, headlined by first rounder uh, Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. If you guys were with me back uh, during the pre-draft process through January, February, March, we got into April 
Donald Wright was a favorite of mine in this class. Just a really smooth mover, big dude, finishes strong. Saw him down at the Senior Bowl live from a boxes perspective and what you check, right, from a scouting perspective for these offensive tackles. He's got hands. He plays with leverage, really good feet, strong upper half, kind of a boxy frame, waist up, but just a really good athlete. And the SEC that had dominant tape at times, and specifically against when Tennessee played Alabama a few years ago against Will Anderson. Just really, really good stuff uh, from Darnell Wright. But at the end of the day, this is the NFL. And this is not Tennessee. This, and, and it's not the SEC. This is the NFL. And he leads the Bears in pressures. He's second in pressures uh, allowed from all rookie linemen in all of football. Second to only a, a Chandler Zavala, guy out of NC State that went to the Carolina Panthers. He's been extremely rough, but Darnell, 12 pressures allowed in four games, eight hurries, one hit, and three sacks. Uh, those three sacks are the most allowed by any Bears offensive lineman. So again, he's going to be at right tackle, uh, but really quick from left to right, they've swapped uh, Braxton Jones, who they drafted out of Southern Utah last year, and Larry Borum at left tackle. Early on in the season, it's going to be Larry most likely at left tackle with Braxton uh, battling injury. He actually had a really good rookie year. Again, uh, day three pick out of Southern Utah, just a guy that was underrated really in the pre-draft process last year, back in 2022. It's had a really nice rookie year for them. It's unfortunate he's battling injury to protect Justin Fields' blind side, but it is going to be Larry Borum, a former day three pick just a couple years ago uh, to protect Justin's blind side and go against Chase Young, Montez Sweat, F.A. Obata, James Smith-Williams this week. So as we move forward into the further portions of the offensive line, just mentioned Cody Whitehair at left guard. You're going to see Lucas Patrick at center. He's allowed 10 pressures uh, in four games at right guard. They've seen a combination of Jatir Carter and Nate Davis. Jatir they took out of Southern uh, back in 2022. And then Nate Davis is the guy that they actually brought over um, this offseason. And he flat out hasn't been good either. Um, Former third round pick back in 2019, um, of the Tennessee Titans from UC Charlotte. He hasn't been good either. Again, guys, this front five has not been good, and it is not good. When three of your starters along your front five have allowed 10 or more pressures in four games, now we could probably look to Washington's offensive line. They got similar numbers. They have not been that great, but they were good last week. And I'm going off of recency, and Washington's offense, from a front five perspective, was good last week. But this front five at Chicago is not good. It is not good. Now, last week we saw the Eagles in the second half replace Cam Jurgens with an UDFA and Sua Opeta and hold John Allen and Deron Payne. All second half long. Didn't like it. Didn't want to see it. It's the NFL. Guys are there for a reason. But when I look at this front five with a rookie just getting his feet wet at right tackle, a guy that swapped in at left guard, a guy that have swapped in at right guard, excuse me, swapped in left tackle and swapped in at right guard. I need this front to be dominant this week. I can't have a one, two, or three sack day from this front seven. It has to be a four, five, six, or more sack day. Guys, we saw Khalil Mack this past weekend for the, the Chargers have a six sack day alone. He was one sack shy of the all-time single game record. Washington's front four has the potential to get 10-plus sacks in a football game. They do. I'm not asking every single down, every single passing play to be a sack because they are going to sling it. 
They are going to sling it, guys. I promise you um, on Thursday night. I I promise you. You look at Justin Fields' attempts the first four games. Starting in week one, 37, 29, 22, and 35. It's about 30 attempts a game. They're going to sling it around a little bit and trust him to make plays with the football with his arm and then, of course, with his legs when they need to. But Washington has got to be disciplined in their rush lanes, win one-on-one matchups, and I don't want to see Jack Del Rio being spoiled like we saw against Philadelphia and in Buffalo times to where I'm just going to rush my four first-rounders and hopefully they get home. Send five, send six. Send extra pressure this week. Drafted guys on the outside to play more man coverage. Do it. I need more physicality and aggression from Jack Del Rio this week. I feel like sometimes we say a lot of good things about Jack Del Rio in this defense, and then sometimes it's like you look up and they allow over 100 points in three weeks. Like we are now. A lot of guys up front get a lot of attention. A lot of soft, spot, so, lot of soft spots in people's hearts for John Allen, Deron Payne, Sweat and Young. I get it. I get it. But at some point, they all got to mesh together and weld together and become a unit that can dominate a football game. We've seen it in isolated points from either guy, from Deron Payne in Denver on the first, second, and third down play to Chase Young getting on the sack sheet early this season since he's been healthy. The dominance of Montez Sweat at times where you look up and he's got two or three sacks in a ball game and I don't need to talk about John Allen and what he does in the interior. He's an all-pro last year in my mind. Didn't get the NFL nod, but unbelievably dominant at one and three tech last year and has been dominant again this year. But they have got to pressure Justin Fields this week before you look up and they've got 14, 21 points, whatever it is, at the half. They can score the football. They have athletes to do so. So this is by no means a cakewalk defensively for this Washington Commanders team. But most points wins, ladies and gentlemen. And let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball to a Bears defense that has been absolute hot garbage the first four weeks of the season. Hot garbage. Start up front with a defense that is led by Yannick Ngakwe off the edge, who's bounced around the league a little bit. Demarcus Walker, Andrew Billings, Justin Jones. Billings and Jones going to be in the middle. They drafted Zach Pickens uh, on day two out of South Carolina. They also drafted Gravon Dexter out of Florida in the second round. This team as a whole, through four weeks, has three sacks. Pickens has a sack. Dominique Robinson off the edge. They drafted a couple years ago out of Miami, Ohio, and Ngakwe has a sack. Ngakwe leads this team with 14 pressures. Andrew Billings from the interior, who's actually had a pretty darn good start to the year. Uh, He's got 10 pressures. So Nick Gates, Zeke Charles, and Sam Cosme, good test this week against Andrew Billings. He's been a good player for them along this front seven. But that's it. It's really isolated for this Bears unit. As you move back a step, they got some ball players. At the lungs of this defense, they brought over TJ Edwards, our old friend from the Philadelphia Eagles, and they brought in Tremaine Edmonds, that low hole, middle of the field safety slash linebacker that came over from the Buffalo Bills, former first rounder out of Virginia Tech for Buffalo. He is now 
in Chicago. We saw Terrell last week with Philly. Now we see his brother and Tremaine. Twin brothers. Tremaine, my opinion, is the better of the two. And he can do some unique things at the second level. Carry running backs and tight ends. Work downhill on the run. Flip his hips in, in, in coverage. Does really good things. He's a good blitzer as well. Good athlete. Reason why I was a first-round pick uh, back in... Um, what year was he drafted? Escape my mind. 2018. 2018, when he was drafted out of Virginia Tech. They drafted Noah Sewell, guys, out of Oregon. Uh, fifth rounder. He hasn't played a lot. Gets some special teams reps. But when he does, he's a physical downhill, downhill defender. Um, Jack Sanborn is a really young, fun player within the Chicago defense. Hasn't got a lot of attention because he's kind of that Cody Barton mold, that Cole Holcomb. Um, not overwhelmingly athletic, but I actually like Jack Sanborn a little bit more so than guys like Cole and what we've seen from Cody Barton this year. Just former Wisconsin standout in the Big Ten, sideline to sideline, doesn't miss tackles, always in the right spot, can be a green dot in the middle of the defense. Really fun young player. And I expect Washington this week to run the ball again with Brian Robinson, and we're going to probably see some from Antonio Gibson. With this linebacking core working downhill, if they're able to get vacant alleys and Washington's front five isn't able to create them at all, it's going to be tough to run the football, especially to the perimeter on this Bills defense because they got some linebackers. I really like what GM Ryan Poles has done with the second level of this defense, bringing over Edwards, Edmonds, and then drafted, excuse me, not drafted, undrafted free agent in Jack Sanborn out of Wisconsin uh, back in 2022. He's been a really nice young player. But the middle of the defense has not, from a box score perspective, they have not been good, specifically through the air, because the front four has not been able to get home. I mentioned just three sacks as a whole in four games for this defensive front, which means when teams go back to pass and they're dropped back and that quarterback is reading progressions, he's going from one to two or two to three or hitting a check down that may be open, they're covering longer. And when you cover longer, it just creates more pressure on your guys who stay hip-to-hip with guys. Then you start throwing flags for DPIs. And then before you look, you know what? The quarterback and Sam Howell, maybe this week, is escaping out of the backside for 20, 25 yards. That's been their issue through the first four weeks because their defensive front cannot get after anybody. You look at their targets. TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds are the top two targeted guys within this defense. TJ Edwards has allowed 17 catches on 20 targets. Tremaine Edmonds has allowed 17 catches on 18 targets. So guys are getting open over the middle of the field against these linebackers. So Logan Thomas, John Bates, Cole Turner, another week where they're going to have to show up. Antonio Gibson as well, over the middle of the field. The receivers, McLaurin, Dotson, and Samuel. We're going to get to the secondary in a second for this Bears unit that's extremely young. But over the middle of the field on crossers and forcing guys to chase, getting a matchup like Brian Johnson for the offensive coordinator of the Eagles last week did. Uh, Devontae Smith crossing out against Cody Barton, making him chase their fastest guy. I'd like to see that this week as well if Chicago gets in man coverage. Now, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, noticing from Sam Howell, understanding what the defense is running, seeing who you got, maybe motioning a guy over the line of scrimmage, opposite side of the formation, and have him just run a crosser and win your matchup. That's high-level quarterbacking, and I think Sam Howell's going to get there. But over the middle of the field is going to be huge for Washington this week because their linebackers have not been good in coverage because of how bad their front four has been. So now let's sneak back to their roof, their secondary, their corners, 
and their safeties. Starting two corners on the perimeter, you are going to see Tyreek Stevenson, rookie out of Miami, and Terrell Smith, rookie out of Minnesota. Kyler Gordon, who they drafted out of Washington a few years back, he's out with a broken hand. He only played one game this year. They're extremely young, extremely inexperienced, and Washington, McLaurin, Dotson, Samuel should have a really, really nice day on Thursday night. Their safeties room with Jaquan Brisker, I love me some Jaquan Brisker, former kid out of Penn State back in 2022. Took him on day two, early in day two, that top 50 pick, 6'1", about 190 pounds, can run, big time athlete. Given an opportunity to make plays in the football, he will. Love me some Jaquan Brisker, but up on the perimeter, one-on-one matchups, specifically with Terry and Jahan, they have to win this week. And I expect them to test these corners early and often in this football game. Terrell Smith is a really exciting athlete. He's expected to run one of the fastest 40s um, at the combine this year. Bigger kid, about six foot six one, about 210 pounds, high four three runner, so he can scoot a little bit. So Terry, Jahan, they want to try to scoot past him. He can run hip to hip with them. But he's moved into a starter's role these last two weeks. Had four snaps combined in the first two weeks. Then against Kansas City and Denver, he had 57 snaps combined against the Chiefs and 48 against the Broncos, starting on either side. Started at left corner against Kansas City, started at right corner against Denver. This is a guy that Washington should test. From conversations that I had with a few Chicago scouts this morning, Jalen Johnson, their slot corner, is supposed to play inside and out. Not expected to play this week. Neither is Eddie Jackson, their safety. Been in the league a while from Alabama. Really good young safety. But, supposed to be out. Nothing confirmed as of just yet, but expected those two guys are not expected to play this week. That will be huge for Washington. So, the focus for Sam Howell to sling it around a little bit this week. I I wouldn't be shocked if Sam eclipses the 300-yard mark this week, a couple touchdowns. This is a weak secondary from a talent perspective and a production standpoint. I like Tyreek Stevenson on the outside. Good friends with Tariq. But this is the NFL, and right now, from a Washington bias, Terry McLaurin, John Dotson, Curtis Samuel, a different ballgame. Kid that started out his career at Georgia, transferred to Miami, played some safety, played some corner. He is living outside for this Bears defense. It's going to be potentially a welcome to the NFL moment for him. I like Tyreek. I do. I really do. Physical kid, athletic. But it's going to be a tough week for him, as it is with rookie Terrell Smith coming in from the Big Ten in Minnesota. Long dude, I mean, can run, but change of direction, tightness in his hips. Not everything is just being a linear, linear athlete and running north-south. Changing direction on slants, and then flipping your hips and carrying a guy 30 yards down the field in a nine route. What if that guy snaps it off 20 yards down the field? McLaurin and Dotson have the ability to do that. Sam Howell's proven the ability to anticipate through these last few weeks especially. And last week against Philadelphia, we saw it a ton, throwing receivers open. I expect Washington's offense to score points this week. Not expecting 40, not expecting 35, but maybe 30 plus? Shoot, we get to 35, that'd be great. But I expect Washington to score some darn points this week, guys. 
More than the 12 that they scored last year on Thursday Night Football against this exact Bears team in the muddy mess that was Soldier Field when they won that football game after scoring nine in the fourth quarter. Really ugly ball game after the muff punt, Brian Robinson touchdown late in that ball game. That, that was ugly. But don't expect that at FedEx Field this week. I do expect the Commanders to score points. And I do expect the Commanders to win this football game. A massive game to get to 3-2. and two. And of course, with the Falcons and the Giants coming up in the next two weeks. So that is going to do it for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm on Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler. If you don't follow me there already, I will have an episode out for you guys on Friday morning, recapping everything, win, loss, or tie to the Chicago Bears. Again, we're looking right now, expecting a three to get to three and two. It's a big week. You're supposed to beat these teams. Go in and move Chicago to 0 and 5. Force them to continue to think about greener pastures down the line, their offseason, and the NFL draft down the road. But these are games that the Commanders have to win if they not only want to compete for a division title, but right now where they are competing for a wild card spot. Because this is already, this is a week one or two. We're in week five. And quickly, Washington's going to have a little bit of a break, right? Being on Thursday Night Football, they're going to have a little bit of a break before they see our old friend and Taylor Heineke against Atlanta next week. And Bijan Robinson, who we're going to get into. Bijan Robinson for the Falcons is going to be a hefty, hefty uh, guy to counter when Washington faces off with the Falcons. We're going to get into that next week. But focusing on this week, week five at home in prime time, a chance to get some national notoriety and potentially win this game handily. Got to do it. Got to win these types of football games. One quick note I want to talk about just specifically uh, which Jalen Johnson, again, expected to be out for this Bears team. We may see our old friend Greg Stroman. If you guys remember him, day three pick back in 2018 out of Virginia Tech. He's going to play some slot for them um, if asked to earn snaps on defense. Not going to play on the outside, a lot like he did in Washington. Some core special team reps and going to play in the slot. So again, our old friend, I know you guys remember Greg Stroman. He is on this Bears roster and he may be aligned in the slot over guys like Curtis Samuel a little bit. Um, in this ballgame. So prepare to to see Tyreek Stevenson on one side, Terrell Smith on the other, with Jaquan Brisker at safety. Uh, Those linebackers play a lot of different depths, specifically uh, with Tremaine Edmonds. And then you're going to see Greg Stroman in the slot. So again, that is going to do it for today's podcast. Always appreciate you guys. Enjoy the game on Thursday night. It's always fun having a primetime matchup. I will talk to you on Friday morning. I'm Ryan Fowler, and this is Commanding the Huddle. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.